This is an AMI podcast. I'm Juita Gupta, and this is The Pulse. There are very few venues to showcase films and documentaries by and about disability. It's surprising because at least one out of every five moviegoers presumably lives with a disability. We know that disability representation matters, both on screen and behind the camera. But what also matters is having an opportunity for creators with disabilities to discuss and share their work in a safe and inclusive space. These films about disability can generate compelling stories and imaginative ways to make films. Films rooted in disability and deaf culture also interrogate the assumption that the audience is always able-bodied. If we have a call for lights, cameras, and access, we also need somewhere to share the experience with one another. Today, we discuss disability and film. It's time to put your finger on the pulse. Hello and welcome to The Pulse on AMI-audio. I'm Joey Gupta. If you've been a longtime listener of The Pulse, you know that every May we tend to cover the Real Abilities Film Festival. That's R-E-E-L, by the way. It's a really wonderful and a punny way of putting it. It's a festival that talks about films by and for the disability community. It's so deeply rooted in disability and deaf culture, and it's taking place in various places across North America, including Toronto, where the festival is in its seventh year. The festival this year uh, has undergone some changes. It's a hybrid festival running from May 16th to June, June 10th. And later on in the program, we'll hear from two directors about their opening night film. So you'll have to stick around for that. But first, Linda Loarcy is the is the festival manager for the Real Abilities Film Festival in Toronto. She joins us today to preview the festival and tell us what to look forward to. Hello and welcome to the program. It's so nice to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me, Joey. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. The festival is now in its seventh year. What makes the festival so important to the disability community? I think that, um, you know, as you mentioned in your introduction, there are not a lot of places um, for disability stories um, right now in, in mainstream culture. And so we, for us, it's very important that the festival acts as a platform to show underrepresented stories, particularly of those who are, who are mo- multiply marginalized mm-hmm. within the disability community. And more than anything, we want to reflect the rich tapestry of human stories in this community and emphasize stories of celebration, joy, and triumph. Um, beyond the, the sort of narratives of tragedy that are very common in uh, mainstream representation. The mm-hmm. festival, I think, is also really important to establish and deepen community ties and um, invite as well uh, those outside of the disability community to come and engage with our stories and our creators and um, all the really interesting insights um, that we have uh, to share. How would you say, now that the festival is in its seventh year, how would you say that it's grown in the last couple of years? I think the last two years, um, having moved virtually because of the pandemic, there have been a lot of a lot of lessons learned. And among them is 
the understanding that virtual access is not a temporary stopgap, but actually is a really valuable form of access for many people in the community um, who are not able to make it to in-person events. And I know for our festival, it's allowed us to reach community members across Canada and across North America, which was something that was previously not possible with the, uh, with the festival happening in person. So uh, what's exciting for us this year um, with, with our hybrid event is that with restrictions um, easing, we're following suit to have a sort of careful, slow return to in-person, but with a commitment to continuing virtual programming to continue to reach the community. And I think what's really exciting for us uh, for this year and beyond is to think about a hybrid or multi-access programming as sort of a permanent feature of our festival and uh, to look for the ways that we can continue to innovate in this space and to encourage other festivals um, to not dispense with virtual programming, uh, seeing as it's so important and facilitates a lot of access for, for many people in the community and outside the community as well. Mm, you want to, I think the hybrid model is really the way to go because there are there is something to be said about being in the space with other people if you can do it safely, but also about having those connections across the country. We couldn't really talk about a film festival without talking about the films. Do you want to give us a bit of a sneak preview of some of the films you'll be highlighting this time around? Absolutely. Um, I'd love to. So there's so many films, but I'll, um, I'll share two of our programs, among them the opening night program, which is called the Love is Access and Access is Love opening night shorts program. And this is a beautiful series of shorts that draw on the themes of access and love um, as deaf and disabled people connect through care for themselves, for each other, and within the community. And among these films is uh, Postcards from My Balcony from Alex Bomer and Leah Cherniak, who you'll be interviewing a little bit later. Um, and what's really exciting about this opening night event, which is happening on May 26th, um, is that at 7 p.m. we'll be having our um, opening night virtual event called Welcome to the Care Club. And this event is, um, will be hosted by Crip Collective. And it's a really wonderful space for us to have a conversation with the community about what is Crip Care and how can we hold space for ourselves and for each other. And uh, we'll also involve a really fun, um, relaxed, interactive art activity uh, mm. to really set the, set the tone for the remain, remainder of the festival and to, again, ground it in community connection and in care. So that's one of the, um, that's our opening night event. And uh, another event that I'd really love to, um, to speak about today is on May 29th, we are uh, co-presenting a film with the Canada Media Fund called Unloved, Huronia's Forgotten Children. Mm -hmm. And this is a film, a documentary film by local filmmaker Barry Cohen, and it just premiered uh, at Hot Docs. And we are incredibly honored to be able to show this film this year. The documentary that really confronts the, the shameful legacy of Huronia and institutionalization of intellectually disabled people here in Canada. And for us as Canadians, I think it's important to hold space for survivors to tell their stories, to heal, to honor these survivors, and also to honor those who did not survive these institutions. And so this um, really important film uh, will be followed by an, a discussion with the director and some of the survivors that are featured in this film. And uh, as I said, we're just really honored to, to hold space um, for, for these survivors and for the filmmaker and for this really important film. 
It is a really important film. And, you know, I missed it uh, when it was showing as part of Hot Docs. So I'm really pleased that there's another opportunity to have a look at this film, which is so important. You mentioned holding space, and I want to stay with that for just a moment. In what way is a festival like yours an important way to hold space for creators who make films by and about disability? Is it does it offer a unique opportunity or is it just a way to get around some of the barriers that might exist for people who write and direct and produce stories about disability? I think both of those things are true that I, you know, we hope that our festival um, is a space uh, that is inclusive, that is uh, safe for the community to come together to have these important conversations that again, don't really occur um, all too often in other cultural platforms um, as well as uh, to to really just celebrate the work that everyone uh, is bringing forward, both the work of emerging filmmakers and uh, established filmmakers. And in that way, it, it also provides um, an opportunity for, for those in the community who are maybe curious about becoming creators uh, to really see what's possible and what kind of stories can be shared and the really innovative ways that um, deaf and disabled uh, storytellers and filmmakers uh, share their stories. Speaking of sharing the stories, if people wanted to tune in to the festival, how might they go about doing that? If they lived in Toronto, can they still get tickets to the in-person events? And if they don't live in Toronto, what's the best way to check out the events happening virtually? So all of our festival films and schedule are available on our new website, which is uh, rafto.ca. That's R-A-F-F-T-O dot C-A. And uh, as well, we're, we're making announcements of our programming on our social media channels, that is on Facebook, on Twitter, and Instagram, at uh, RealAbilitiesTO. And uh, the, while the in-person, uh, there's one in-person event, which is the closing night event, but it is also happening simultaneously virtually. So this is our experimental um, hybrid party. Uh, so folks that register for this event can select um, attendance for in-person or virtually. And uh, if by chance people change their minds, they're always welcome to tune into the virtual event as the uh, link uh, for that event will be sent out to all who register for it. Linda, just as we have a minute left here to go, what is your hope for the future of this festival and for the future of films about disability culture and deaf culture? I really genuinely hope for meaningful growth of, of both Real Abilities and I think um, of other festivals around the country and around the globe recognizing that there are really rich undiscovered narratives from deaf and disability communities and an abundance of incredibly talented creative uh, filmmakers and performers that deserve to have their work seen and celebrated um, uh, across, across the globe. Linda, thank you very much for previewing the festival and for speaking to us about why it remains such an important institution. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Linda Loarsi is the festival manager for the Real Abilities Film Festival. As you heard, you can get tickets off their website and, of course, find more information on their social media platforms. Postcard 2. Image description. A Toronto apartment balcony on ground level with a table and two chairs. Inside, Alex. Written on the other side. Kleenex. Friday, March 13th, 2020. 
flies through the air. I feel hot. Textures. The balcony. Plants. Flowers. Colors. Spoke to my mom on the phone. She's 86. Must remember to ask how she feels being the most at risk. Alex catches a flying Kleenex. I thought she'd outlive cockroaches. She lies on the couch with her laptop. Sits up. Worried about my crip friends. All of us. But especially my friends with small lungs or an inability to cough. Or those who have crappy immune systems. More people called the most at risk. Textures white. Most? Dark lines circled around her. We used to be just the at risk. Around and around. Alex. Hello and welcome back to the Pulse on AMI Audio. I'm Joita Gupta. In the first half of the show, we previewed the Real Abilities Film Festival with the festival manager. What you just heard was a clip from one of the films airing on opening night, Postcards from My Balcony. I'm joined now by Alex Ballmer and Leah Cherniak, who are the co-creators of the film. Hello and welcome to both of you. Thanks, Joita. Hi there. Alex, you are the writer and the performer in this piece. Tell me about how it all got started. Hmm. Well, I came back from the UK in February of 2020, and I felt sick. Um, And that was before uh, the rest of the country was in lockdown. It was before testing. So the public health uh, person told me to presume that I had COVID and to go into quarantine. And uh, while being in quarantine, when everyone else was still leading a, a relatively uh, normal life. I experienced an increased sense of isolation and feeling a bit lonely. And I just, I wanted, I, I, as a writer, I, I often write when I'm going through something um, and I started writing and it just instinctively, it turned into this form of postcards. So Leah, how does postcards go from a form of writing to a short film? And can I say what a marvelous short film you've done so much, the both of you in 12 minutes. Thank you very much. Yeah, um, I think the the postcards were so uh, uh, evocative. That's the word I'd use. Evocative, mm-hmm. in their pithiness, which is a word I tend to use for them, meaning speaking loudly, and importantly, uh, with very little language and um, a sensibility, a very m- moving and um, sensibility that I immediately took to, and the fact that Alex described. Uh, what the postcards were. So she she described the image of a postcard. Again, I found that so uh, evocative and interesting and it felt very filmic to me. So we started talking about um, what it would be like to make a film of these postcards. Mm. And I'll just say that there are many, many more postcards than the ones we (laughs) we chose to do. We just had to um, (laughs) choose to do that many in order to make a 10 minute film. So Alex, that brings me to a really important question. How do you decide which postcards to include and what to leave out? After all, they must have all meant a lot to you and been very personal. Yeah, you know what, there there were quite a few. And um, I think I love every single one of them. Um, uh, The process was actually similar to how um, I work in theater. 
in the sense that um, Leah and I worked more as divisors. So we started with um, a, a s several postcards. I can't remember how many in, that we began with, maybe 10 mm -hmm. out of the 38 that I had created. And through a devising process, we we got it down to, I think, maybe five or six. Um, and really, it was we chose the ones that told the story the best. Um, it's a short film, so you know you choose the ones that really move the story along, just like you do in any devising process with theater. Um, whereas when I create a, a film, when I write for film, it's a very different process. You know, you create the script, and and basically when the script is ready, you hand it over, and off it goes. Whereas this was much more of a collaborative devising process. Mm. One of the things that was so interesting about the film, Leah, was uh, the animation that was involved with it. Lots of visual elements in the film as well, with the camera wobbling and uh, panning out and engaging with this thing that you call textures. Tell me a little bit about some of the camera work involved with the film and how that plays into the larger story. Yeah, that's a good question. I think that, again, comes from some lack of knowledge about filmmaking and being theater people and trying to bring something of our theatricality to the, to the film that came naturally to Alex and I. So yeah, we, we wanted a, um, surprises, I think, that mm. uh, in some ways the postcards were always a surprise. So there was this uh, uh, initial feeling of surprise and the animation seems to add to that and creates texture. And, and for some reason that grew and grew that word texture that we tried to um, see if it could give the film its own language in a way. Even when we started to audio describe it, we were trying to leave room for the film to live and to give an impression in its own right. And so that was also an interesting process, the audio description and in, in relationship to the animation as well. How do you how do you describe that animation, for instance? And you know, the most interesting part of the film, not to say the film wasn't interesting, but one of the most interesting moments in the film actually took place right before the actual film, where you say, I hope you enjoy the film, because you're, you're doing a lot of the audio description yourself, Leah. So you say, I hope you enjoy the film based on your own sensory experience. Now, as a director, working on this project, did it change your... Um, your outlook on how to devise a film, how to create a film for people with different sensory experiences of the world? Yes, very much so. It was a, a beautiful time of work for me and just being able to be working with Alex so closely on it and hear the sparsity of her words that reflected so much of a world that I, uh, I started to become closer and closer to some sense of, of what that world would be and mm -hmm. a, a great amount of um, uh, admiration and love in some strange way for um, how we approached this film and for who and uh, to, to keep balancing all those questions, it being a, a visual medium, all of it was just the way we worked and tried to make decisions was a very fulfilling process for sure. And Alex, I remember the first time I met you 
in person. This mm-hmm. was pre-COVID, and yes. I met you at a described acrobatic show, and I, I thought, wow, she is so cool. Um, and I remember <laughs> that, <laughs> and I remember thinking that you have this real. Uh, passion for storytelling but even beyond Mm -hmm. having a real passion for storytelling you have a real laser focus on how we tell those stories what Mm -hmm. is it about this particular short film that might bring together the or juxtapose even the unique experience of people with disabilities during the pandemic vis-a-vis what the general population has gone through let's say the able-bodied population Mm. that's a great question by the way i remember meeting you too so there you go um (laughs) Uh, well, in a way, it's, in a sense, it's almost like a metaphor. I mean, postcards, in a way, is often uh, a metaphor for the experience of uh, living disabled. You know, there is always a sense that we're a little bit far away, because the world isn't designed for us. Um, So I think the form of postcards, and, and then the story that is told through postcards from my balcony is definitely a disability story. That sense of being far away and um, a desire to, to capture um, one's experience and, and share it. Um, mm. uh, definitely, it's very, much a, it's very much my story. It's how I respond to a sense of isolation and being far away. So it, it involves uh, a lot of sound. The, story, the, the film itself um, is very sound led. Um, there's music because I'm a musical person. Um, so I think, I think it definitely, both in form and in content, it's very much uh, a blind led disability experience story, but it's also very human because mm-hmm. ultimately it's a story of feeling alone, reaching out, and finally re-engaging with the world around us, which I think was a very shared story by uh, all of us who were in the pandemic. But I would I would definitely, I think it's a little bit of a metaphor. Leah, we've only got a few minutes left here. Tell us about how we might be able to catch the film, Postcards from My Balcony. Of course, it is at the Real Abilities Film Festival, but if there are other ways to check the film out as well, please uh, go ahead and share those with us as well. Well, I think the only other way right now is, uh, it is on a Vimeo right now, and I think you can just access it on Vimeo, and uh, you can get in touch with me if you want to see it, and I can send you a copy of it if there's someone who isn't able to see it at the festival and who really wants to see it. Alex and Leah, thank you both for being with us today and talking about this amazing short film. I am in awe of anyone who can tell a story in under 10 minutes because I tend to ramble. Thank you both for being here. <laughs> thank you, Joita. Thank you. Alex Bulmer and Leah Charniak are the co-creators of Postcards from My Balcony, which is an opening night film at the 7th annual Real Abilities Film Festival in Toronto. Well, folks, that's all the time we have for today. Maybe we'll even check back in with the festival in a few weeks, but for now, we've got to go. We'd love to get your feedback about the program. You can always send us a tweet, write to at AMI Audio, use the hashtag PulseAMI. You can send us an email, feedback at AMI.ca, or, you know, if you're so inclined, send us a postcard. I would love to get one. Thanks a lot for listening. Stay safe and have a wonderful rest of your day. Our technical producer for the program is Nasreen Abdul-Majid. Andy Frank is the manager for AMI-audio. Thanks for listening.
This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.